Good afternoon. It's good to have you with us this afternoon. It's good to be presenting to you this afternoon. I started thinking about this lesson last year uh, while reading about several individuals in the Old Testament. I started thinking about myself and began questioning if I exemplified the idea of waiting for the Lord. I say that I wait for the Lord. I say that I trust in the Lord. I say that I know He has a plan for me. But do I always outwardly exemplify those things? So I'd like to look at a couple of individuals this afternoon in the Old Testament that got me thinking about how our actions and how our reactions to difficulties might need to be examined. But before we do that, let's start out thinking about what does it mean to wait on the Lord? We can see how David described it in various Psalms, and in particular, let's look starting in, in Psalm 130. So Psalm 130, beginning in verse 5, we read, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. So we see here several words, several phrases that helps us understand how David described waiting on the Lord. We see in his word do I hope. So do we look to his word in difficult times and in periods of waiting to, to understand how he would have us to live but also to give us hope? We see words in here around being a watchman. Are we looking, are we watching, looking to the Lord in all things? We also see here talk of watchmen looking for the morning. Are we looking forward to the Lord, looking to the Lord in all things? Just as, and are we sure of the Lord just as sure as we are of the sun rising? Another passage I'd like us to look at is from Psalm 33. Psalm 33 and verse 20. If you'll turn with me to that. Psalm 33. We read here in verse 20, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let thy loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in thee. So again, we see several words, several phrases here that will help us understand and define what it means to wait on the Lord. Are we rejoicing in Him? Are we relying on the Lord as our help and our shield? Are we trusting in His name? And then finally, hope. Do we hope in Him? Do we have our hope in Him? Is our hope directed at Him? When things go south, when we face difficulties... Uh, do we study, as we saw in the previous verse, looking at his word? Do we pray for strength? Do we trust and hope in the Lord? And then do we wait? So all of these things give us an understanding of what it means to wait on the Lord. Are we confident in the Lord? Do we look to him knowing, believing, trusting, humbly that he, he's there for us, that he is guiding us? Do we trust that there is a plan in place for each one of us? So all of those things help us understand what it means to wait on the Lord. And normally if we were studying a subject like this, we might look at how we can better wait on the Lord. And maybe some of the characters from the Bible that show us great examples of waiting on the Lord. Today I'd like to look at it a little bit differently. I'd like us to look at the opposite end of this. Some characters that, that maybe didn't wait as well as they should. That maybe faltered some. And, and the lessons that we can learn from that. Again, 
I started looking at some of these characters in the Old Testament and thinking about myself. Have I always outwardly exemplified the thought of waiting on the Lord? And so let's start out by looking at at Abraham and Sarah. And um, we know Abraham, and and he's a great man of faith. Um, And many of the examples that we have from Abraham are outstanding examples, but we also know that he faltered on occasion. Um, And we specifically want to look at Genesis chapter 17 and 18 and where he and Sarah, his wife, laughed at the thought of having a child. Before we do that, though, let's go back and think about the timing of all this. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 12 um, and 2 through through about 4, we see the promises made to Abraham. We see in verse 2 that he was promised that he would become a great nation. In verse 3, your family will, um, will through your family, the, the, the entire earth will be blessed. Uh, we also find it that Genesis chapter 12, in verse 4, we see that Abraham was 75 years old at this time. And so now we'll skip ahead, skip ahead to Genesis chapter 17 that I made reference to. And I want us to look at Abraham's response to being told that he would have a son. So beginning in verse 15, we read, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be your name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Will a child be born of a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So we see Abraham's response to this. And let's go on to the following chapter. Let's go on to chapter 18 and see Sarah's response. Sarah, hearing the same, the same uh, word as far as having a child soon, in verse 12 responded, again, Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, we read, And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I, pl- shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So again, we see Sarah laughing. And so I think what we've all, all got to realize, as I said before, in Genesis chapter 12, when those promises were made, Abraham was approximately 75 years old. At this time, Abraham is approximately 100 years old. So 25 years had passed from the initial promise to this time. Abraham and Sarah had been waiting for that son for 25 years. I'm sure they prayed, they begged the Lord for that son to be given to them, and then waited. And I think as they waited for the Lord, and, and the waiting led to this, this um, laughter. Um, it led to them saying time had passed them by, that there was no hope of them having a child at this age because they were too old. Do we sometimes do the same thing? As we wait on the Lord, as we deal with the, the time, do we sometimes start questioning whether it's possible? Do we start questioning and doubting God's ability to deliver? Do we think the Lord maybe has forgotten us? Do we laugh when we think of what might have been or what should have been in our mind? Do we think maybe about the family that we thought we would have by now or the job that we thought we might have by now or the things that we could have done by now? Or maybe spiritually we see ourselves by this point in our lives teaching classes or preaching lessons and we're not there. Do we ever think it's too late for me? 
that time has passed me by? Do we sometimes feel helpless to accomplish what we think we should be accomplishing? Well, we may feel helpless, but in reality, God is a great help for us. All things are possible in him. And we can see that statement being made in this same passage. If we look back at Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, we read, Is anything too difficult for the Lord? There's nothing too difficult for our Lord. But we should not only realize that all things are possible through the Lord, but we also should be thinking about how are we going to be happy in the current situation that we're in. Realize our time and our situation. Lord has put us here for a reason, and it's a blessing. Let us enjoy our time here, the time that we're in. I think about the Proverbs, and there's many that you can look at, but in particular I thought about Proverbs 31 and verse 25, where it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Are we smiling at the future? Are we smiling at the situation that we're in right now? Also think about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 11 and following. So if you'll turn with me, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, we read, He has made everything appropriate in his time. And we skip down to verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all of his labor. It is a gift of God. We shouldn't worry about time passing us by. We shouldn't worry about what could have been or what we think should have been. We should enjoy where we are. We should enjoy the blessings of the life that we're in. And as this verse says, seek to do good. We need to wait on the Lord knowing all things are possible through him. We need to wait on the Lord knowing he has a plan for each one of us. We need to wait on the Lord not only knowing those things, but showing the hope and the joy and our contentment with what the Lord has blessed us with. The second person I would like us to look at today is Job. And so if you'll turn with me over to the book of Job, uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages, and I think this is probably something that, that many of y'all might have thought of, the story of Job, as I started going down this path. And it's a story that we're very familiar with. But we see Job waiting for the Lord through many difficulties. And we see him faithful at first, but then struggling at the end. And we're all, like I said, very familiar with the story of Job. And in, early in the book of Job, we see Job referred to as a man that was blameless upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. We see God himself pointing Job out to Satan as a righteous man. We also read in those early chapters that he was a wealthy man with many sons, but he used that wealth for good. He offered sacrifices for his sons daily. But we also know this story in a very short period of time, he lost his livestock, and he lost his slaves, and he lost his sons and his daughters his health, his wife turned away from him, his friends gathered around him to, to berate him. And initially, Job reacted as we should. We read in chapter 2, verse 10, shall we indeed accept good from God and not adversity? So Job's response to his wife um, with being confronted with this. But what we also see as 
Job bore through these difficulties and waited on the Lord for relief, he began to struggle, in, and I think in many cases we can see him questioning whether he was being heard by God. If you turn with me to Job chapter 19, verse 7, Job 19, verse 7, we read, Behold, I cry violence, but I get no answer. I shout for help, but there is no justice. So we see him questioning whether he was being heard by God, whether there was justice that was being given to him. We continue on if we turn over a couple of pages to Job 23. Job 23, verse 3, we read, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn the word which he would answer and perceive what he would say to me. Would he contend with me by the greatness of his power? No, surely he would pay attention to me. So again, we see Job questioning whether God was hearing him, questioning whether God was dealing righteously with him and rightly with him, or even judging him at all. Again, we see Job struggling and, and fully understanding his struggles with all that he's going through. As we wait on the Lord through pain and through loss, we might begin to question whether God hears us, whether God's listening, but we should be confident that God hears and that God is listening. If you'll turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, we read, And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. He hears us. He knows the difficulties we are going through. As we bear through difficulties, again, pain and loss and sickness, we need to wait on the Lord with confidence that he hears us. I think about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our needs before we even know what we need. So he knows what we need. We need to trust in him and wait for his response. The last person I'd like us to look at this afternoon is Moses. And actually, Moses is the, the person, the individual in the Old Testament that got me thinking about this lesson. And so if you'd like to turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, um, I'd like to touch on a couple of points around, ex, uh, around Moses. And, and again, I think we're all very familiar with the story of Moses. Moses uh, was hid in the bulrushes, found by Pharaoh's daughter, became a son to her, uh, by all accounts raised in the palace, uh, being treated, being educated by all accounts as a prince would. Um, I could see him being educated and taught by some of the wisest of the age. But through all of this, he never forgot who he was. And if you'll turn with me uh, again, Exodus chapter 2 uh, verses 11 and following, we read of, of as he matured and he saw what was happening to his fellow Israelites. In verse 11, it says, Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the other, to the, 
Offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and, and said, Surely the matter has been become known. And he fled from the area. So we see, we see Moses rising up and with confidence standing up for one of his fellow Israelites. Again, maybe not in the right way but uh, full of confidence, taking on some of those leadership roles, willingness to speak up and try to diffuse a fight between brethren. But then we transition on. He flees, and in the next chapter we see Moses before the, the burning bush. And again, this is a story that we're all fairly familiar with. But we start seeing as God calls him to go to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he starts making excuses. In verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? In verse 13, what would I say to them? And then in chapter 4, in verse 1, we see, What if they will not believe me or listen to me? And then specifically, I'd like to look at chapter 4, verse 10 in Exodus. We read Moses saying, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So God knew that Moses was a good leader. And I think we can see from um, the, the outcome of the story that Moses was a good leader. And I think these excuses were just that. They were just excuses. And I think we can, we can discern that by looking at verse 14. The anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And so what I'd like us to think about is what changed. So in chapter 2, those verses, he was a confident leader. He was an outspoken leader. He tried to support his people and, and willingly took on those leadership roles. Transition to chapter 3 and 4, he's full of excuses. And on top of that, saying, I'm not an eloquent man. I can't do this. I'm not the leader that you would have me to be. So why is there that much of a change? Again, it's just a couple of chapters. What we, can, what we need to realize, and we can see, probably discerned from this passage from a timing standpoint, but we see in Acts chapter 7 and verse 28, Stephen telling us, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him, that is Moses, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. So what we need to realize between chapter 2 and chapter 3, 40 years had, had passed. 40 years of waiting. Moses had endured before being called by the Lord. And I think the waiting those 40 years had affected his personal confidence and potentially his confidence in the Lord. We know Moses, again, was a great leader, but I think he had forgotten it while he was waiting. Moses went from being a respected member of Pharaoh's household, a leader within Pharaoh's household, to a leader of sheep. He had been a shepherd for 40 years. He went from speaking with the most educated men in Egypt, in all likelihood, to speaking with sheep all day long every day for 40 years. I think it affected his confidence and his confidence in his ability to do the work of the Lord. And we don't need to let our confidence waver as we wait on the Lord. We need to continue having confidence in the Lord and in the Lord's ability to do great things through us. 
I think of several verses which, which might help us. If we turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and look at verse 12, it uh, talks about the boldness that we should have in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12, having therefore such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. If we have that hope in the Lord, in the knowledge of the scripture, we should have boldness to do the work that he's called us to do. Flipping over a, pass, uh, a page or two to chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians and verse 8, uh, we also read, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. We can bear through all of these things with the help of the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will use these difficulties in this waiting to humble us and to temper us. As we go through these difficulties, we need to examine ourselves and think about what the Lord is trying to accomplish in us. How are we being shaped? I think in, the, in this case with Moses, the Lord was using this time alone, tending sheep, to prepare Moses for leadership, to lead the children of Israel. You think about the loneliness and the isolation that sometimes comes with, with leadership. He was preparing for that. So we need to think about how all the difficulties we face in this life might be preparing us and making us stronger. We need to wait on the Lord with confidence. Confidence in Him, but confidence in our ability to do His will and our ability to do great things through Him. Although all these individuals that we've touched on this afternoon struggled and faltered in some case, we all know that they are all identified as great people of faith. And this should give us hope. They struggled, but they were able to overcome. They were able to overcome through the Lord. And as we wait on the Lord, we need to make sure our actions match up with what we're saying. We say that we trust in the Lord and that we know He has a plan for us. We need to make sure that our actions and our outward display mirrors what we're saying. We should wait on the Lord knowing that all things are possible through Him. We should wait on the Lord knowing that He hears us. We should wait on the Lord having confidence in Him. We need to remember, and the last passage I want us to look at is in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 is the last passage in verse 29. We need to remember what has been promised to us from, a, from our Lord. Isaiah 40 in verse 29 we read, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. You realize those promises are there for us. Is it a promise that we won't endure difficulties, that we won't have to wait? No. But it is a promise that he will strengthen us. He will lift us up. And as we wrap up, I would encourage you not only to think about how we were reacting to difficulties, how we are showing that hope and trust in the Lord, but also think about your current spiritual state. Are you in a right relationship with God? If you haven't named his name, if you haven't become a Christian, you need to take the steps that it takes to become a Christian. 
You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to repent of your sins and confess Him before men. And then you need to be baptized to wash away your sins. If you have that need, we'd ask that you would reach out to us. We would be extremely happy to assist you in that. Likewise, though, if you have become a child of His, but are struggling spiritually and need the prayers of the saints, please also reach out to us. We would be very happy to assist you. Thank you.